This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, a place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. This week in our 2023 Holy Week Revival, we have been dealing with the topic healing belongs to us. And our message last evening and this evening is possessing what is ours. God gives us the promise, but we must possess the promise. We see that in the children of Israel being delivered from slavery out of Egypt and being given the promised land. But you know what? The promised land was full of people who did not want to be dispossessed. And the promised land was filled with giants. That's, that's the way God operates. I'm giving you the land. It's almost like I'm giving you the land. God bless. I'm giving you the land. God gave the promise, but Moses and Joshua and the people of God had to possess the promise. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that all these things that happened to them were written down as examples for us. Hebrews 3 and 4 tell us that they failed to enter the promise, the rest of God, because of rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief. They got right up there to the border of the promised land, and they could have, glory to God, gone right on in. God had promised it to them. God had said, it's yours. But because of unbelief, they wandered in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness until every adult of that unbelieving generation died off except for Caleb and Joshua. And then they went in. Let's start off tonight in 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples, shout examples. You know, that's what we have in the Old Testament, examples. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. In the New Testament, the following four words are used as synonyms. Rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief. Look at Hebrews 3.16. Hebrews 3.16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, chapter 4, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. King James says, mix it with faith. 
you know, people question, where do you get this idea of mixing uh, the promises of God with faith? Well, right here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it or mix it with faith. Egypt is a type of the world, and Israel is a type of God's people. And God's people had trouble possessing their promise because they loved Egypt. This is why the book of 1 John tells us to not love the world or anything in the world. Why? Because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And if we love the world, we will have trouble possessing our promise just like the ancient people of Israel. What did those ancient Israelites do? Well, they limited God. I know people don't think you can do that, but they limited God. They limited God, and hence they failed to possess their promise. Psalm 78, 41, David wrote, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. But I say tonight, let us not do that. They got right up to the border of Canaan land and they could have gone right on in, but they failed to possess their promise. But because of rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief, they wandered in the wilderness until every man 20 years of age or older died off except for Caleb and Joshua. Now God had already said to them, promised them, I give you the land, it's yours. They had God's word on it. They had God's promise on it. God had told them, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon shall be yours. In other words, God was saying to them, I give it to you, but you've got to go in and do the possessing of it. Well, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 10 says that those things happened as a type or as an example for us. That means you and I also have to possess the promise. I said you and I also have to possess the promise. And I don't know if you figured it out, but Satan is just not happy about God's people possessing the promise. So when you discover a promise in the Word of God, you've got to anticipate opposition. You've got to press on in to get what God says belongs to you. And although God's word promises you something, or better yet, provides something, you and I have to possess the promise. If you don't possess the promise, it will never become a reality to you. I said, if you don't possess it, it will never become a reality to you. So you must do the possessing. No one can do the possessing for you. I mean, it's like no one can eat right for you or no one can do your push-ups for you or no one can do your praying for you or no one can do your Bible reading for you. Well, no one can do the possessing of the promise for you but you. It's all based upon God's word. What did God say about it? Now, you know, God has met us in years gone by on a lower level because we didn't know any better. But God expects us to grow and God expects us to develop. Many people have been healed through prayer, but to tell you the very fact of the matter, you don't even have to pray to be healed. We dealt with this in the 2018 Holy Week Revival, Mountain Moving Faith. Are you listening to me? You tell some people that and they look at you in amazement, but it's so. Many have failed to receive healing because they actually base their faith on prayer instead of God's word. Even prayer itself will fail if it is not based on God's word. Prayer is not the currency of the kingdom. And fasting is not the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Prayer will not work if it is not based on God's word. Do you remember John 15, 7? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Abide means to live in, to settle down in, 
and to take up residence in. Not an overnight stop to take up residence in long term. We could translate John 15, 7 this way. If you live in, settle down in, and take up residence in me, and my words live in, and settle down in, and take up residence in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done unto you. If my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I don't know about you, but I go to God's word before I start praying about things to see what God's word says about my situation. And even though I think I know, and even though I've read it before, I'll go back and read the same scriptures over and over again. Even though I've been reading some of these scriptures over and over and over again for half a century now, I'll go right back over them again and very carefully and meditate on them to get the word of God inside me. For you see, before I go to God in prayer, I want to know what I'm talking about. Don't you just love it when people talk to you and spew out all their ideas, theories, and opinions, and you know, God knows, everybody knows, they have no idea what they're talking about. Well, I don't want to be that person in the throne room of God. Before I ever pray, I'm basing my faith on what God's word has to say about it. Before I even venture to bring something up to the Lord, I find out what God's word has to say about it. What does his word say about this situation? Because Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If we'll discipline ourselves to do this, we'll get better results. You see, people expect many times prayer to do for them what God's word will not do for them. People expect prayer to do for them what God's word will not do for them. Praying is only successful when it is based on the word of God. Let me say it again, and I don't mean to be unkind, but people do a whole lot of praying that is not based on the word of God, and they don't get answers, and they keep doing the same thing over and over and over. I don't know about you, but I want results. If I'm going to invest time in prayer, I want results. Prayer, praying is only successful when it is based on God's word. You know, sometimes we pray, God heal this person or God heal that person. But in the mind of God, they're already healed. If we could just get the other person to accept what God has done, what a difference it would make. Or sometimes we pray, God save this person or God save that person. But there's no place in the New Testament where we are told to pray for the lost that they will be saved. Staggering, isn't it? There is no place in the New Testament where we are told to pray for the lost that they will be saved. What Jesus actually said about it, it's in Matthew 9, 38, but also Luke 10, 2, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So if you want to pray for someone who is lost, pray, Lord, send someone to them they'll listen to. Because oftentimes the people we care about won't listen to us, or we've tried to talk to them so many times they have tuned us out. So pray, Lord, send someone to them that they'll listen to. They need someone to reach out to them because they cannot be saved without it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 14, and 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The NIV says it this way, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of 
of what was preached to save those who believe. You know from the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now we can fast and pray for people to get saved and nothing will be accomplished. Someone has got to speak to them. The King James says, preach to them. Lost folk will often say, stop preaching at me. But that's the only way they get saved. The problem is sometimes a loved one won't listen to you or me. So we have to pray, Lord, send someone to them that they will listen to. Nowhere in the New Testament does it tell you to pray for the lost to be saved. Not anywhere in the New Testament. What Jesus said about it was, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. So pray that the Lord will send someone across their path who can talk to them. Now, the flip side of this is, we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit of God leads us to talk to people. You see, your believing God for the Lord of the harvest to send a worker across the path of your loved one, well then you need to be willing to be used by that same Lord, that same Holy Spirit, that same Lord of the harvest to be a voice in someone else's loved one's life. Can you see that? You know, we, we need to just get past this whole spectator thing that, uh, you know, I wish the Lord would do it. I wish the pastor would do it. I wish Pastor Sue would do it. I wish Doctor, I just wish somebody would do something. No, we have to change the way we look at things and we need to begin taking action. If you're here tonight and you have a loved one who is away from God, a loved one, a loved one who is backslidden, well, I cannot think of a better seed to sow than for you to avail yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit of God to speak to other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, you are not only being obedient to the Lord of the harvest, but you are also sowing a faith seed for your loved one. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, I use that example because healing, like salvation, belongs to us. It's ours. Say it out loud. Healing belongs to us. Say it again. Healing belongs to us. In the mind of God, you see, it's done. The work's done because Jesus paid the price. The price has already been paid. So far as God is concerned, your loved one is already saved. It's just a matter of getting the right messenger to him or her so they can accept what Jesus has already done for them. And the exact same thing is true on healing. And I am trying, I have tried, I've done my best this week to be that messenger in your life this week, to let you know out of Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8 and 1 Peter chapter 1 that the work is done. Hallelujah. The price has been paid. Jesus took up our infirmities. He bore our diseases. And with his stripes, we have been healed. Hallelujah. It's not something that's going to happen. It's not something that's about to happen. It's not something that might happen in the future. It has been done. It has been accomplished. It is a fait accompli. The work is done. So in the mind of God, we're healed right now. In the mind of God, it's done. So far as God's concerned, really, you're already healed. Because you see, God remembers when he laid your sicknesses and your diseases and your pains on Jesus. So far as Jesus is concerned, you're already healed. See, that's what I've got to get you to believe. Jesus went to that whipping post and Jesus went to that cross. So Jesus has already borne in his body the penalty for our sin and he has already carried in his body our pains and our sicknesses and our diseases. And if he has them, then we shouldn't. I said if he has them, we shouldn't. If Jesus took them and bore them away, then we don't have them. You might say, why do we have them? Well, 
because the devil's a liar and he is shrewd. And he gets us talking about and confessing things that we ought not be talking about and we ought not be confessing. He is shrewd and he gets us claiming stuff that we ought not be claiming. You know, I remember growing up in my mom's family, I won't mention what denomination they were from, but they'd be talking about, you know, my high blood pressure and, and things, I think these terms are antiquated, my ambrosia and all this stuff. You know, in other words, they'd be, my arthritis. It's amazing how people talk. It is, am once, once ownership of a pain or a sickness or disease comes out of your mouth, you have signed the title for what Satan is trying to sell you. Amen? So far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, you're already healed because it was the Holy Spirit who inspired Peter to write in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. As far as the Word of God is concerned, you're already healed. Get it? As far as Father God is concerned, you're already healed. As far as Jesus is concerned, you're already healed. As far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, you're already healed. As far as the Word of God is concerned, you're already healed. Now, earlier this week, I talked about taking sides against the Word of God and taking sides with the Word of God. Well, then, if I keep saying I'm not healed, well, that means I'm taking sides against the Word of God. What I must do is discipline myself and discipline my mouth, and I must take sides with the Word of God. What I must do is side in with God and force myself to say about my situation what God says about my situation. Now, I've mentioned earlier in the week that, you know, back in 89, 1990, 1991, Sue and I really clamped down on our mouths and we turned the ship financially, but we took our health for granted. Well, now we're working on writing that. But I'm telling you tonight, you don't have to wait until you have a problem. You can start right, same thing with money. You might be here tonight and have plenty. Well, I don't know about you, but I can always use plenty more. Amen? So we need to discipline ourselves, discipline our mouths, and say about our lives what God says about our lives. Side in with God and not side in against God. Notice the Bible says we're healed. By whose stripes you were healed. Notice what it does not say. It does not say by whose stripes you are going to be healed. I've heard people my whole 50 years in the ministry trying to talk positive and say, well, I know I'm going to be healed someday. I know the Lord's going to heal me someday. Friends, that's not taking sides with the Word of God. That's not siding in with the Word of God. That is actually saying something different than what the Word of God says. That's not really Bible believing. That's just hoping. I said that's just hoping. You see, you've never, you never hope for anything that you already possess. I'm not hoping for the car I drove up in tonight. I'm not hoping for the house that I'm going home to tonight. I'm not hoping for stuff I already possess. See, if you're hoping, you're confessing that you don't already possess it. Praise God, Jesus took up our infirmities. That's past tense. And he bore our diseases. That's past tense. And with his stripes, you were healed. That's past tense. So that does not make us hopers. That makes us possessors. Can I get an amen? Amen. If I believe what the Bible says, then I have to believe that we were healed. You see, Peter was looking back to Calvary. That's why Peter could write, by whose stripes you were healed. Whereas Isaiah was looking forward to Calvary. But even in Isaiah's day, he pulled the promise into the present, into his present. And that's why he wrote, with his stripes we are healed. Notice he did not say, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit thousands of years ago, he did not say with his stripes somebody some future day is going to be healed. He pulled that vision. He had a, a, an understanding of the Messiah. He pulled that into his now. Even in the Old Testament. 
Well, if he could, if he could pull the promise of God into his now in the Old Testament, surely we can pull the promise of God into the now when it actually is in our past. Our position in prayer ought to be based on 1 Peter 2.24, I was healed then, and I accepted that and named the day. Name the day when you started believing God. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Shout it out loud with me. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Shout it again. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Therefore I send you what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And ye shall have them. Shout, and ye shall have them. Say it again, and ye shall have them. If you want more information on this, go back to the 2020 Holy Week Revival. You know, I stood here and preached to an empty room during the lockdown. Greg Abbott says never happened. Amen. But I talked about how that Jesus said, he shall have whatsoever he saith, and Jesus said, and he shall have them. So when you and I say what the Word of God says about our lives, and when you and I believe we receive what the Word of God says about our lives, then that means that it's on the way. And if it's not on the way, well, then God's a liar. Jesus is a liar. The Bible's a liar. They're no count. They're no good, the whole lot of them. And you can't count on heaven because the whole thing is a lie. Can't you see that? You don't sound very enthusiastic. Or do you not want to say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he'd be a liar. But I'm telling you, he shall have whatsoever he saith. <laughs> the problem is, do we believe that? If we believe that, man, we would be on it every morning of our lives without fail. He, again, shout out loud, he shall have... He shall Whatsoever he, saith. whatsoever he saith, and he shall have them. Shout it out loud, and he shall have them. Shall have them. Amen, that means it's coming. Amen, Amen. that means it's coming. Amen. Amen, that means it's coming. Amen. I stood here in the early part of 2018 and told y'all what the Lord told me about, I mean, I was embarrassed. I thought it was kind of harsh, actually. He said, quit fooling around and get this paid off. And I, I didn't think I was fooling around. I thought I was doing a good job. I mean, we had it more than halfway paid off. But he said, quit fooling around and get this paid off. And he talked to me about strategy. And, you know, I just was, I, I guess I was hopeful. I just thought, man, we'll have a big challenge offering Easter 2018 and we'll just pay her off. Well, it didn't work out that way. And so 2018, man, we're believing we receive. And, you know, people could come along and say, man, pastor's crazy. You know, he's saying it shall come to pass. He's saying he believes he receives. Then we get into 2019. Somebody could say, well, you know, pastor's crazy. He's saying it's, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. He's saying the money's coming. The money's coming. The money's coming. He's saying we believe we receive and we shall have them. And then we get over into 2020. And then, I mean, you just knew, you just knew the whole thing was going to be blown to heck because of COVID mania, COVID hysteria, you know, the White House going crazy and, and all of that. 40 million Americans out of work. Are you hearing me? But we just stayed with it. We just stayed with it. We just stayed with it. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. The money's coming. The money's coming. The money's coming. We believe we receive. We believe we receive. And we got it paid off in the year of the corona. And so what are we supposed to do? Slit our throat that it didn't happen in 2018? Slit our throat that it didn't happen in 2019? Somebody might say, yeah, but you're talking about money. You're not talking about my health. Yeah, but we're talking about $5.3 million. So in other words, when you have a bigger hill, you might have to confess it a few extra days. Are you hearing me? Or do what I did not do and get started earlier. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Amen. The bigger the project, the earlier you have to get up in the morning and start saying what you want. And he shall have whatsoever he saith. 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 Therefore, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have 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 them. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 and 23. God laid our sicknesses and our diseases and our pains on Jesus. He bore them. He was stricken, smitten of God and afflicted with your diseases and with your sicknesses and with your pains. Therefore, Satan has no right to put on you what God put on Jesus. Now, this is huge, and this ought to be our attitude every day of our lives. Satan has no right to put on you what God put on Jesus. Someone may say, though, it may be the will of God for me to be sick. We keep running into that again and again. Or how about this? God may be getting some glory out of my being sick or more glory out of me being sick than if I was well. Well, what right would God have to put your sickness on Jesus if he wanted you to keep bearing it? He wouldn't have any right to do that because there would not be any need for both you and Jesus to bear it. And because Jesus bore it, thank God you're free. I said because Jesus bore it, thank God you're free. I mean, you don't spend a lot of time every day worrying about whether you're saved or not, do you? I said you don't spend a lot of time every day worrying about whether you're saved or not, do you? Well, why do we fret about our health? Matthew 6, Jesus taught us to not worry. See, if he has it, I don't. Talk, talk to me, people. <laughs> you know, this is day six. I can't do everything. <laughs> if he has it, then I don't. If he bore it, I need not bear it. If he took it, then I don't have it. Can you see that? And the same thing, we know this, two different nights, we were in Isaiah 53, the same Jesus that bore our sins is the same Jesus that bore our sicknesses, our pains, and our diseases. Amen. Pastor, why doesn't everybody teach and preach this? Well, they don't all teach and preach the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They don't all teach and preach faithfulness in marriage. There's a lot of stuff they don't all teach and preach. But I know this. If you do not hear it through the foolishness of preaching, then your faith will never spark and be turned on, and you'll never be able to believe God for it. Can I get an amen? amen? He gives us his word to let us know what conditions must be met in order for us to receive these blessings and provisions. They won't just fall on us automatically. You got to do something about it. Like those children of Israel, God gave them the land. He said, it's yours. But it didn't just happen automatically. See, there's a Godward side, and then there's a manward side of every battle to every blessing to every provision. God has his part to play, but man also has his part to play. Now, Paul wrote concerning Israel in 1 Corinthians 10 that what happened to them happened to them as examples for us. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. You cannot look at the news any given news cycle and not come to the conclusion that the fulfillment of the ages is upon us. And we need to master certain things so that we can be a greater witness to this lost and dying generation. There were conditions. God had said to them, I give you Canaan's land. But there were conditions that had to be met for them to occupy the land. Canaan's land is a type 
of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a type of divine healing. It's a type of our blessings and provisions that belong to us in Christ Jesus. How do we possess them? God said in Joshua 1.3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. I have given you. I have given you. Now, we've been dealing with this on Wednesday nights, Romans 4. This is the language of God. We serve the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. We serve the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. Yeah, but pa pastor, how can I say all my needs are met when all my needs aren't met? We serve the God who calls those things which are not as though they were. Yeah, but pastor, how can I say that with his stripes I was healed if I don't feel healed? If I don't, uh, if, if I don't have, if I have symptoms in my body. We serve the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. Shout it out loud. We serve the God who calls those things which are not as though they were. And that's what he was doing right there. I have given you. I have given you. I have given you. He said to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Yeah, well, there's giants in the land. Didn't you notice that? Are you going to go by what your eyes see, or are you going to go by what the living, almighty God has said? Why then did they fail to possess it? God said he had given them the land, but they had to do the possessing of it. God said they had given them the land, but they had to do the possessing of it. Well, that is how it is with our rights and with our privileges in Christ Jesus. How do we possess them? Father God calls the work done, and it is done, but we have to do the possessing. Father God calls the work done, and it is done, but we have to do the possessing. Healing belongs to us. Shout it out loud, healing belongs to us. God has provided it for us, but we have to possess it. And unless we possess the provision, we will not enjoy the benefits. Yet, sadly, many people are just waiting for God to do something. Or people will say, if God ever heals me, then I'm going to believe it. Well, it doesn't work like that. That'd be like those ancient Israelites saying, if God ever gets rid of those Philistines, then we'll believe the promise he gave Moses and Joshua. But it doesn't work like that. Or that'd be like a sinner saying, if God ever saves me, I'll believe it. Well, of course, that won't work. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says in Revelation 22:17, come. And let him that is a thirst and come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely, whether it's salvation or healing or simply a matter of accept, accepting the provision that God has already provided for you. Waiting for God to heal you is like someone waiting for God to save you. No, that won't work because there is a Godward side and there is a manward side to every battle to every blessing, to every provision. So we must do our part. And God is saying to you this evening, the provision has already been made. I laid your sicknesses on Jesus. Himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and your diseases. The provision has already been made. As Matthew 8, 17 says, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The provision has already been made. Your healing has already been bought and paid for. There's no point in waiting on God because God is waiting on you. So get into the Word of God and find out what belongs to you. If it's promised to you, it's provided for you. If the Bible says it's yours, then all you have to do is possess it. And how do we possess it? Through faith. I said we possess it through faith. We need to train ourselves that no matter what comes up in life to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say? You know, a lot of people don't want to know what the Bible says. This happens all the time out in the fellowship atrium. 
People come up to me or Pastor Sue or Dr. Austin and they ask us a question. And oftentimes we will begin our answer with, well, the Bible says. And you can tell by the look on their face, they don't want that answer. They, or they'll say, well, I know that. Well, if you know that, what are you asking us for? They know what the Bible says all right. They just don't like what the Bible says and they don't want to hear about what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about healing? Matthew 8, 17 reads that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet Isaiah saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That is a settled fact. Actually, that is a historical fact. 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That is a settled fact. That is actually a historical fact. By whose stripes you were healed. That's what God says about your situation. By whose stripes you were healed. So I'm not trying to get healed. I don't even think I'm going to be healed. There's no need for me to try and get healed. I don't have to try and get it because Jesus already got it for me. I said, Jesus already got it for me. By whose stripes you were healed. Jesus already got it for me. No use in me trying to get it. Because he got it, I have it. Because he got it, I have it. Because he got it, I have it. By faith, I have it. Shout it out loud five times. By faith, I have it. It is exactly and precisely what we did when we were running short after the stock market crash in 1987 and the nasty recession that followed when we moved into that first building the third Sunday of March 1988. We weren't making it. And uh, we weren't denominational, denominational. So there was no help common. There was no help common. There was no help common. And it wasn't a, a, a lack on the part of the people. A lot of them had lost their jobs or they had to go from a, a great job to a mediocre job. And so we weren't making it. What did I do? Man, I just went to the Word of God. I just went to the Word of God. I forced myself to not look at what we owed. I forced myself when I received offerings. I changed the way I talked. I mean, we weren't making it. We were maybe three or four weeks from going out. But when I stood up, I forced myself. I'm telling you, it was a discipline to stand up there and say, praise the Lord, all of our needs are met. And the whole time the devil was screaming in my ear, you're lying, you're a liar, you know you're lying, you're going under. But I stayed with it. I said what God said about our situation. I said, the Lord our God is meeting all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I sided in with God. I took sides with the word of God. It didn't happen overnight. It, didn't ha it wasn't magic. It didn't happen overnight. But gradually, over a few weeks, over a few months, we started seeing, you know, a, a little brightness in the horizon. And then it, it took up, picked up steam in the next year and the next year. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we are the masters of our destiny. We are the prophets of our life. And I'm telling you that this one I'm preaching about tonight, praise God, he has never lied. He has never failed. He has never given up on his people. He's not a liar. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God said, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. I'm telling you what, this generation is out of excuses because we believe liar after liar after liar after liar after liar. Well, I'm telling you, there's one who has never lied. I'm telling you what, there's one that you can count on. I'm telling you there's one that only lets truth pass from his lips. Jesus said heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This whole world's going to melt. The heavens are going to melt. It's all going to pass away, and I'm going to pass away, and you're going to pass away, and the government's going to pass away, and the dollar's going to pass away, and it's all going to pass away, but the Word of God will stand forever. I said the Word of God will stand forever. I said the Word of God will stand forever. So we need to learn to side in with God, take sides with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout it out loud, healing belongs to me. Say it again, healing belongs to me. Again, healing belongs to me. Again, healing belongs to me. Say it again, healing belongs to me. Ha ha, Mr. Devil. Ha ha, Mr. Devil. Healing belongs to me. Jesus got healing for me. It is mine. I side in with the Word. I take sides with the Word. According to the Word of God, I am healed. I'm not trying to get healed. I'm not fixing to get healed. I'm not trying to get healed. Jesus got it for me. It belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. According to the Word of God, I am healed. I said, according to the Word of God, I am healed because it is written. It is written. By whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes we were healed. If we were healed, I was healed because I was healed. I am healed. I am healed. I am well. I am whole. Now lift up your hands and begin to start thanking God for it. Say it again. I am healed. I am well. I am whole. Thank the Lord for it. Open your mouth and praise the Lord for it. Thank you, Father God. I am healed. I am well. I am whole. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it. There's not a person here tonight probably that understands how you can hit a button on the dashboard and your car start. Probably nobody here understands how you can hit a, a button on your visor and the garage door go up. You don't understand things that you use every day of your lives. All you have to do is believe what God has to say on any given subject, believe it, confess it, and act like it's so. Just accept what is written. Just be a believer in what God has said. Stop being a believer in the news. Stop being a believer in the politicians. Stop being a believer in all the fakers of our age. And lift up your eyes and get your nose in the Bible and learn to say what God says about your situation. Because if you will side in with God, God will side in with you. A lot of people want God to side in with them, but how can God side in with them if they are not honoring the Word of God? Just accept what is written. You've oftentimes accepted what a friend has said. You've oftentimes accepted the information somebody sent to you in a letter. You've oftentimes accepted what the newspaper reported. Well, just begin to accept the Word of God. Just accept the Word of God and act like it were so and act upon it with joy. Stop dragging your backside around. Stop acting all depressed. I mean, some folks, you'd think somebody just kidnapped and murdered their dog. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Get the joy of the Lord and tell your face you're happy. Hallelujah. I said tell your face. People, people that have all their financial needs met don't go around looking like they're morose. People that are healthy don't go around looking like they're dragging their backside through life. I'm telling you, these are the days to lift up our countenance and lift up our hands and lift up our voices and with joy and gladness, thank the Lord for what the Lord has done in our lives. Act upon it with joy and act upon it with faith and it will become a reality for you in your life and you will have cause for much rejoicing. Now let's stand up and let's lift our hands 
And let's thank the Lord again. Say it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am well. I am healed. I am whole. Hallelujah. I am healed. I am well. I am whole. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24 says, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. I believe that. If I were healed, then I was healed. Because I was healed, I am healed. I side in with the Word. I take sides with the Word. Now symptoms of distress, pains, sicknesses, you leave my body. You have no right to stay here. I command you to go. In the name of Jesus, leave me now. Body, respond to the Word of God. I command you, body, obey the Word of God. The Word of God says, I am healed. Body, side in with the Word of God. I take sides with the Word of God. Body, you obey the Word of God. Body, you side in with the Word of God. Body, you are healed. I mean, who's running whom? Are, are you allowing your body to run you, or are you running your body? Hallelujah. Say, shout out loud, I'm a spirit person, and I'm in charge here. You don't let your emotions be in charge. You don't let your feelings be in charge. You don't let your body be in charge. Don't let your body run you. Hallelujah. I've had people say to me, I sure wish I could get that faith stuff to work for me. Well, it doesn't work by wishing. It doesn't work by hoping. It works by doing. The Word works by believing it. The Word works by faith. Just a simple childlike faith, believing that what God has said is so.